If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There, you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services. Here are some quotes for you. The first one is from Hudson Taylor. Hopefully you know who Hudson Taylor was. And he said that the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Here's a quote from Brother Andrew, another name from days gone by that you should know. And he said that the purpose of the church cannot be to survive but to thrive, or even thrive, but to serve. The purpose of the church cannot be to survive or even thrive, but to serve. Oswald J. Smith wrote that any church that is not seriously involved in helping to fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. Now that will slap somebody. Any church that is not seriously involved in helping to fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its right, its biblical right to exist. And then I love this one from one of my favorite preachers, John Piper. Simple quote, very simple. Go, send, or disobey. On your handout, you see a logo. And it's our Southern Baptist logo, but maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, that over the last year, our convention has begun to adopt and move towards a new name. And they've begun calling uh, themselves Great Commission Baptists. They're, they're not legally changing the name, but they're beginning to operate under that name a bit more. And there were reasons for that, some of which I agreed with, some of which I disagreed with. But to be honest with you, I love the name, and I really like the logo. And it got me to thinking about tonight and and that name and this topic, and I want to share this with you from an article that came from religionnews.com. They wrote that months ahead of their planned annual meeting, some Southern Baptist leaders are embracing an unofficial moniker for their gathering, and in some cases for themselves, Great Commission Baptists. The name simultaneously distances them from a regional affiliation and focuses on the command of Jesus for His followers to spread His message worldwide, some leaders say. And so that's the reason why I sort of like them operating under that name. I get the point that people in Washington State may not like being called Southern Baptists. You know, we're a, we're a worldwide convention. We're not just an American convention. There are people in India who probably don't really like being called a Southern Baptist. People in South America and so on and so forth. So in that regard, I, I, I like their thinking and I like what they're doing. And, and this change has actually been something that was recommended, I believe it was in 2012. And now they're beginning to move towards it a little bit more. Whether we call ourselves that or not, we should be. We should be Great Commission Baptists. We should be Great Commission Christians. So hopefully that gives you some food for thought by way of introduction this evening. 
in our book, and you see on the handout there are three sort of headings underneath that logo. Great Commission or Great Omission. Great Commission Amnesia. Great Commission Disobedience. Those were sort of the main headings in our chapter for this week. And that's sort of how he breaks down each particular section. But he begins by asking once again, is the past still our hero? Rainier says that if that's the case, then the Great Commission is in danger of becoming the Great Omission. I love the the illustration he used about Alan Jackson in a song entitled Remember When. Now, I don't really care for country music, I'm going to be honest with you. Never really have. (laughs) It's just not my thing. Um, If I'm going to listen to country, it's going to be old stuff because this new stuff today, I don't even consider it country. I don't know what it is, but my daughter loves it. Anyway, I like Alan Jackson. I think he did a great job on his hymns album, and he's got some really great old songs. And I remember that song, and I remember when it came out. And, you know, I didn't really think much of it then when I was probably at the time a, a teenager or early 20s, maybe even younger than that, I don't know. But, but now that I'm getting a little bit older and I'm starting to get some gray in my hair and, and beginning to, to think about life later on, that song means a little bit more as I think about the lyrics. And you know, nostalgia can be a good thing. It can be a good thing to, to think back onto what once was. But as it relates to our church and our ministry, we cannot let what once was keep us from focusing on what's ahead or keep us from dreaming about what could be. Christians need to be on the advance. I I almost picked it tonight. I love that old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. We need to be on the advance. And we can't do that if we're constantly looking back. If we're constantly looking over our shoulders. Turn with me in your book to page 40. And the last full paragraph on that page, Rainier writes that our autopsy revealed a lot of nostalgia about the growth of the church. There was a lot of remember when about particular years of growing numbers and high attendance days. However, members of dead or dying churches often overlook the reason behind those years of growth and expansion. Thriving churches have the Great Commission as the centerpiece of their vision, while dying churches have forgotten the clear command of Christ. And so his next heading is entitled, The Great Commission Amnesia. Now here's where we turn to God's Word. And so if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn to the Gospels this evening, because I have three, um, two passages and one verse that are all three from the Gospels. And one you probably don't even need to turn to because you probably know it by heart. Most Christians do, and if you don't, you should. But Matthew 28, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
The very next gospel is Mark, so flip ahead. Mark chapter 16 in your Bibles. Mark 16 verse 15. Sort of a parallel passage to the Great Commission in Mark's gospel. And He said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then finally, you don't have to turn there if you don't want, but one verse in John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said simply, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, the imperative in those first two verses, what's the imperative there? Go. Go. Go and do what? It says go and make disciples. Go and baptize. Go and teach. Those are all action words. They're not words we can sit around and do. We can't do those things from the comfort of our pew and from an air-conditioned sanctuary. We can't do those things in a fellowship meal with food on the table. Now, those things are not bad. Matter of fact, I would say they're requirements for us as followers of Christ. But we can't do those things in that way. We can't sit there and expect everyone to come to us. Jesus told us to go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. On page 41, Rainier says that perhaps I'm being too gentle to say the deceased church forgot to act upon the Great Commission. Perhaps it is more accurate to say the church decided not to act upon Christ's command. And he makes the point in the subsequent sentences that this commission requires two main things. Firstly, that we go. And secondly, that we totally depend on the power of Christ. Now, look back at that verse if you have your book still open or your Bible still open. Notice what Jesus says in verse 20. He says, "...and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Are we dependent upon Him for the mission that He's given us, for the calling that He's placed on us? You know, we say it, we read that verse of Scripture, we give lip service to it, but we act oppositely sometimes. We act in fear. Or we don't act out of fear. We don't plan to reach our community. We don't plan to fulfill the Great Commission. Hey, let's think about it on a personal level. We're afraid to go talk to our neighbors because we're afraid of what they'll think when we tell them about church and about Jesus. And I get it. I get it, brothers and sisters. I get it. Ask Pastor Tim. I tell him all the time, I'm not a people person. I'm not. And I've always found it odd that God would call me to pastoral ministry because you're supposed to be a people person. I remember early, early on, early on in my ministry, we'd have visitors come into the church. I was paralyzed. I didn't know what to say to them. I didn't know how to speak to them. Now, I've gotten over that and I've gotten better at it. And, and now it's a whole lot easier for me as I've gotten older to go strike up a conversation and to speak to someone, but I'm still not good at it. And look, I'll point the finger at myself this evening. I don't know a lot of my neighbors. And I should. 
And I should feel more ashamed that I don't. We should all feel more ashamed of missed opportunities to to share our faith. We're not dependent upon Him as we should be. We're not believing His words, I am with you always. Rainier wrote, the results are dependent on Him, but obedience is work. It's something we got to work at. So I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to invite someone to church. Well, if you don't work at it, you'll keep getting the same results. We have to take a step towards it, and that doesn't happen overnight. You know, fulfilling the Great Commission needs to be one step at a time. It needs to be a gradual thing that we we learn how to do, not only as individuals, but as a church. And I feel like that's a place where we are. There's a desire. Now we have to learn how to do it. We need to take that first step towards fulfilling the Great Commission. And I love Rainier's point, and I agree with it. That first step is prayer. That first step is prayer. Are we praying for God to open doors? Are we praying that God would give us gospel influence and opportunity in our community? Are we praying that God would send unbelievers to us so that we can disciple them, so that we can baptize them, so that we can turn them, replicate them into followers of Jesus? A healthy church makes disciples. And disciples replicate disciples. That last subheading that's on your handout, I pray that we don't have great commission disobedience. On page 43, if you'll turn there with me. Page 43, right under the heading, he writes that related to the great omission is the nature of conversations among church members of dying churches. These members, as we have noted earlier, often fixate on the good old days And those days in their memories include some spectacular results, a high attendance day that often marked the peak of the church, dozens of new members every year, vibrant ministries in the community, recognition for their growth by the denomination or some similar body. As the members of the dying church recalled those days, often decades earlier, They longed for similar results today. They often wondered why they could not replicate those good old days. And it was was not unusual for them to blame others for their plight. Well, it's not our fault. People moved away. Members died. It's not our fault. The culture has turned on us. It's not our fault. We, We don't have the money to do that. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. And I'm not saying that sometimes there aren't outside influences. I believe there are and there can be. But I do believe that most of the time, the finger needs to be pointed back at us. We have to be willing to get into the community. We have to be willing to stop thinking that the community will simply come to us. Yeah, I've been very encouraged lately. I've heard, I've heard from several of you who have said, yeah, I invited that person to church. Hey, you know what? They may not come, but if you keep doing it, eventually somebody will. 
I can't tell you how often I, I, I invite someone to church. I did it today at the coffee shop during my lunch break. It probably won't happen. Didn't seem interested, but I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to continue to give me those opportunities and I'm going to continue to, to expect it to happen and to believe that God's going to answer our prayers and that God is going to be faithful. So we must be willing to pray. We must be willing to sacrifice. We must be willing to get our hands dirty for the kingdom. Page 44. It says that here's the bigger issue. Even if the church began to grow on its own, the members of the dying church would only accept the growth if the new members were like them and if the church would continue to do church the way they wanted it. I have encountered that attitude more times than I care to even admit. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual thing. And we begin to forget the Great Commission and it turns into... Just a great omission. Then becomes amnesia. We forget how to do it. And then it becomes outright disobedience. We can't be concerned with simply business as usual. We can't be concerned about keeping our church the same. Now, you know, one thing that people always turn to with that is music. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm not a big fan of most of the contemporary stuff. I like some of it. I like some of it. And I know that a younger generation oftentimes is more appealing to them, so that's why I do it. I don't want to overnight completely change our worship style. But if God told us that we had to go that direction to reach our community, would we be willing to do it? If we saw that that gave us influence and opportunity to reach someone else, would we be willing to do it? I've heard of churches fighting over reorganizing the worship space, the sanctuary, changing the colors and updating it. Well, now it doesn't look like a church. Well, what if that gave you influence? Are we too concerned with my way or the highway? We aren't supposed to be comfortable, brothers and sisters. And I have a feeling we're about to find that out. I have a feeling... I've been saying for a while now that the sheep and the goats are going to be separated. Amen. The wheat and the chaff. Amen. There's a line that's going to be drawn with the culture changing the way that it is. And we aren't supposed to be comfortable. And if you look back over the history of the people of God, look back over our history. We've spent far more time in persecution than we have in affluence. Prayer commitment number six. Lord, remind me that I'm to be a Great Commission Christian in a Great Commission church. Remind me that in Your strength I'm to do whatever it takes to reach my community with the transforming power of the Gospel. Amen. And amen. Pineview gathers for worship each Sunday, beginning at 9.30 a.m. for morning prayer. Sunday school classes for all ages begin at 9.45, followed by our worship gathering at 11 a.m. We also meet each Wednesday night for Bible study and prayer at 7 p.m. in our church fellowship hall. 
We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro, North Carolina. We are a Southern Baptist congregation dedicated to expository preaching and biblical worship. We invite you to join us next Sunday.